Good morning, and grace and peace to you. Good to see everyone here this morning, especially those of you who we call friends, and we're glad you're here, and just be at home as part of our little uh, saying, I guess you'd say on our website, everyone is welcome, so be welcome and be at peace. Thank you, Don, for the songs. Uh, anyone need a good friend? Hmm. A true and a good friend is uh, hard to come by. History is full of betrayals by friends. Brutus betrayed Julius Caesar, Caesar. for those of you who know your history. I always talk about the history out there, how important it is. Et tu, Brute, in the Ides of March. Judas, of course, betrayed Jesus, probably the most famous betrayal. Benedict Arnold betrayed Washington and his country. And there are others we could talk about betrayals for a long time. And even in today's political atmosphere out there in D.C. and around, you just don't know who has betrayed whom. It's just such a conglomerated mess. And we need to pray for our leaders that way. And then I know that many of us, many of you, have been personally betrayed by friends, maybe by a spouse family member, boss, co-worker, someone who you had entrusted yourself to, confided in, thought you were going to go through life together. They lied to you. They sold you out. They left you hanging. The disappointment in such situations is amazing. You can't believe it at times. The dismay, the, the disbelief. And such betrayals are terribly painful. Uh, we have to reorder and reorganize our lives. And then we begin to think, you know, are there anybody, is there anybody out there who can really trust because friendship is about love and trust. Friendship is a two-way street. To have a friend is to be a friend. And the Bible teaches much about true friendship. Even Jesus became a friend himself and had friends. This is one of the aspects of him that we probably don't talk about very much, but it's in Scripture. And we thought since it was Friends Day, we would talk about being friends, having friends, and about the best friend that we can have. Let's go to John chapter 15. And believe it or not, he is still making this offer of friendship to us. Yes, he's so much more, and we'll get into that. I mean, he's the Son of God, he's God in the flesh, he's Lord and all. But even at that, he wants to be your friend, someone you can trust. 
John 15 and 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. We want to notice here basically three things about being friends and having friends. And Jesus, of course, being a friend here to his disciples and offering friendship to us is the best example of friendship there ever could be. First one we see is a true friend loves his or her friend. It is the foundation of friendship. Jesus affirms his love for his disciples here in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now at this point the cross had not happened, but it was only hours away. And he knew what was going to happen and what he would do. That he would lay down his life for his friends. And he's calling them friends and he's saying, I'm doing this for you because you are my friends. It was a sacrifice of unparalleled proportions that the Son of God would die for his creature, would die for a person that he had formed in the womb. He had he'd actually made that person. He had made the whole creation. He had made it all possible for these men to be there and for us to be alive. And now he has entered into that creation, the great marvel of the story of God, to save us from our sins and to give us life eternal with God himself. It's just a marvelous thing. And it just shows the love of God for us and what he wants us to have. In Proverbs 17, 17, we read that a friend loves at all times. At all times. And we're going to see here, you know the story pretty soon in the garden. When they came to arrest Jesus, what happened? All the disciples ran away, right? They all left him. And then, uh, not too much later, Peter was coming around, showing a little bit of courage. But then three times, uh, someone said to him something like, don't you know him? Weren't you with him? And he says, no, no, I don't even know the man. He denied him three times. Denied he even knew him. Maloney was one of his disciples. Despite all that, Jesus still followed through with going to the cross, didn't he? Despite their betrayal of him, he remained a friend to them. 
and kept his word and gave them life through his death. As I was thinking about this and trying to say, well, how can God be a friend and still be our Lord and command us what to do? And, and I don't, you know, we, we here in the West, in our Western mind, like to put things in little categories, you know, this is the way it is. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. And I'm putting this out there, and I don't know if we can go with it 100%, but from the standpoint of that he is the Son of God, he is Lord. He is Lord of all and the sovereign, and he's ruler of the kings of the earth, head of the church, and he tells us how to live. He, he is the word. But from the standpoint he is the son of man, that he came to be one of us and be with us in our troubles, in our afflictions, and to rescue us from our sinfulness, he became our friend. Now, I to me, that kind of works. Don't make it, you know, just cut that right off and say that's a, and put that in a box one way or the other. But to me, that kind of works because he was both God and man at the same time. You know, thinking about Jesus remaining faithful to his friends there and to us and so doing. We ask the question, what do we do when we are betrayed by a friend? And it's hard, like we said, it hurts. Do we just walk away? Do we try to get even? Do we try to find out what's going on and to be reconciled, to work it out? Uh, do we try to remain faithful as long as we can, whatever the situation is? Uh, you know, Jesus gives us the example here. I know sometimes when people don't want to be your friend, there's not much you can do. But we need to do what we can, and if they walk away, you know, so be it. Keep them in your prayers. They're difficult situations. I made this little notice as working through here. We talk about love, and he said, you know, uh, Greater love is no one than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. And uh, we talk about love. That love will always try to do the best thing for a friend. And it's like love anywhere. Love in the body of Christ. We had a lesson not too long ago about love one another. We always try to do the best thing. That's what love does. What is best for the one I love? Let's go to Proverbs 27.6. We're going to look at a couple of thoughts here and then uh, put another idea before us here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. What's the, what's the writer talking about? The wounds of a friend, they're faithful. Well, the, the idea is when a true friend sees a their friend hurting themselves, doing something wrong, hurting somebody else, they are going to approach them and bring it up. That's going to be a little wound. You know, they're going to say something. You know, what are you doing? Do you realize what you're doing? You're, you're, hurting, you're hurting yourself. You're going down the wrong path. You're hurting your wife. You're hurting your husband. You're hurting your children or whatever it happens to be. A true friend will give that 
faithful wound. Why? Because you really love your friend. You really love your friend. It's not always easy, but it shows real love. How many times, as we go back to Jesus, did he wound the disciples that way? He said of Peter, you know, when Peter had just made the great confession and then Jesus said, well, we're going up to Jerusalem and I'm going to be uh, betrayed into the hands of sinful men and, and put to death and what Peter say? Far be it from you, Lord, that that should happen. And then what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan, because you do not savor the things of God, but the things of men. That was a faithful wound of a friend. He had to tell him that because Peter was going down the wrong road. He was thinking the wrong thing. In many other places we read in the Gospels where the disciples were not understanding, they were thinking the wrong thing. Was it James and John? And they went through Samaria, and this one village in Samaria would not uh, give them hospitality because they were going to Jerusalem. And they said, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven? Remember that one? And Jesus says, whoa, no, no. That is not who we are. We don't do that. Faithful wound. Corrected them. So the, the good friend will correct someone, their good friend, when they see them getting offline, getting on the wrong path. That's one of the things that the Word of God does to us today, isn't it? The Holy Scriptures, as we read, oh, this is good, I like this, worship, so forth, and then we read the one that says, forgive your enemy. Or love your enemy. You know, you got an enemy out there you're not loving. That's a faithful, that's a wound, a faithful wound to us. Jesus is wounding us through the Word of God, our conscience, and saying, You, Jeff, aren't doing right with that one. You need to love that person. You need to help that person, or whatever it is. So that still works. Jesus still works through his word to wound us, to bring us back, to keep us on the right track. Here's a thought about love. Does love promise never to hurt another person? Or only to hurt them when it's necessary? Sometimes we have the wrong idea about what real love is. Well, love, will you just stand by and watch a person drink themselves to death? Uh, just continually blow all their money over at the dog track and put their family in jeopardy? We just stand by and watch that happen? We can't say that you really love that person if you allow that to happen, can we? you got to say something. So, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs 27 and 9, same chapter. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. This kind of puts a shoe on the other foot. But when someone gives me counsel, and I know that person is my friend and well-meaning and wanting right for me and good for me, I will accept that. I will say thank you. 
Maybe I don't totally agree with what they're saying, but I understand their heart and what they see. And I will willingly accept that. And it's sweet to me. Just from the standpoint of somebody cared enough about me to say something. They thought they saw something going on. And they came and said, you know, Jeff, uh, what's going on here? That should be sweet to me. Somebody really cares about me instead of just getting defensive, like we always have the tendency to do. Somebody cared about me. Should be received with a humble attitude that they're looking out for me. And we go to the Word of God and say, do we accept Jesus' counsel? As we read through the scriptures, as we study, as we hear word taught in Bible classes and wherever, do we accept his counsel? Do we accept the teaching of the word? Do we humble ourselves and say, yeah, you know, I really need to improve there. I'm not too good at that. I'm not, maybe not the husband I ought to be or the father or the, or the wife or the good worker or maybe I don't, don't care about my brothers and sisters or I still have this little pet sin I like to keep around, whatever it is. Do we accept that when the word hits us home and say, yeah, Lord, I need to do better? He's continuing to offer us counsel through his word. All right. True friends love one another, and that's part of that love. Our second thought, let's go back to John 15. And we read 15 and 16 again. A true friend will elevate his friend. And when I was thinking about this, I thought of that song, You Raise Me Up. How many know that song and like that song? Yeah, you raise me up. That's what a true friend does for another friend. John 15, 15, let's read this again. No longer do I call you slaves, you see. Bond servants, maybe your translation says, or servants. For the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends... For all things I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name he may give to you. Jesus came down here and became one of us so he could elevate us up to his level. That's what a true friend does. He's looking out for us. No longer do I call you slaves. Yeah, we still need to do Jesus' commands, but he's bringing his disciples into this fellowship with him and this greatest work on the earth to spread the gospel, the good news, that through Jesus there can be life and life eternal. He's bringing us into that fellowship, into that friendship. We're in this together. What an incredible privilege that is. From sinners to servants to friends. Marvelous thought. And he says, I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Remember when he said, you will do greater things than these? You know, Jesus is a very humble person. Even though he's the son of God. He wants all of his disciples to do well and to take part in this, to have a part. And that's a privilege. 
that we would go and work in the name of Christ and do things that would last, as it says, their fruit would remain. We teach the word of God, and we help people to remain faithful and bring people to Christ and bring them to life eternal. That is fruit that remains on forever into eternity. This is a privilege. It's not, some people call it a work, and it is a work, but it's a privilege to have this message and be able to take it to people. Jesus is saying this. I chose you to do this. And then, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. We have this access to the Father that other people do not, through Christ. You're in Christ. It's unique, and it's privilege that prayers are heard by God. We ask according to his will, John says, we have our requests. We have them. We have them. Prayer is so, so powerful, so necessary, so needed for each Christian, for, for a church, for a country. We really need to be engaged in prayer more to find good outcomes, to get good outcomes in life. But this is something that, that Jesus, as being our friend, allows us to do. So he, he has elevated us into this area from our, from our lowly beginnings, from our lowly places, to be his friends and to have access to God and access to the work that he wants us to do. And then our last thought. A true friend has expectations from a friendship. We said that, you know, friendship is a two-way street. There's a give and take. Otherwise, it's not a friendship. Otherwise, you have one person controlling the other one or one person just being slavish to the other one. There's a balance needed. There are expectations on both sides that both sides will keep their word and love and you can trust the other one to follow through with what they've said. Notice John 15, 14. <clears throat> you are my friends. Here's the expectation of Jesus of us. If you do what I command you, this I command you that you love one another. That's how we really show we are friends of Jesus. That, that's his basic expectation of us. You'll be my friend. You know, that's open to all of us. You do what I command you, you're my friend. Isn't that marvelous? We, we can, not only do we serve the Lord God, not only can we be in a, in a covenant relationship with him, but we can be his friend. This is just another amazing aspect of our God that he is like this and he is willing to, to share himself, if you will, with us. We need to do what he commands, and the basic command there is to love one another. As he said in another place, this will show that the world will see that you are truly my disciples when we become basically true friends to one another loving one another. We would be really true friends to one another.
We all have expectations when we enter into a friendship. Maybe they're not spoken, but when we have someone that we confide in, and as I say uh, so many times in premarital counseling, your husband and your wife should become your best friend. And they may be the only good friend you have on the earth, but they should be. You confide in them, you expect them to be faithful to you, to help you, and you, you are promising to do the same to them, for them. And if you have a, another friend outside of the, the marital bond, and you, know, you, you have those expectations that they will support you, they will help you, they will be, as we say, be there for me. We, we use that expression, become so trite, I'll be there for you. Well... If you are a friend, are, are you there for your friend? Are they there for you? These things will show whether there is a true friendship or not. Let's go to Luke 7 as we close this out. Friendship is another of the blessed and important relationships which God has given to us. You know, we have husband and wife, we have we have parents and children. We have brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we could count others. Jesus is head of the church, and we are his disciples. But friendships are so important. I encourage you to be a friend. Be a friend. If you say you are a friend, be a friend. And if you need a friend, be blessed by a friend. Find someone who will be a friend to you. Friends are invaluable. In Luke 7.34, Jesus here is talking about uh, the, the generation of his day, and we can talk about, talk about the generation of our day. And he says here, uh, I'm going to start in 33, For John the Baptist come eating no bread and drinking no wine. You say he has a demon. You know, John was kind of a just out there living by himself, had the locusts and wild honey, and didn't really participate in much of anything. And still the people came to him to hear the word of God and to be baptized. But, you know, he's saying the culture, well, he's a crazy man. He's just out there all by himself in the wilderness in the heat. But then the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, uh, the opposite, in other words, of John the Baptist. He's, he has friends. He's participating with people. Uh, going into their homes, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. A friend of sinners. Aren't you glad? Jesus wants to be your friend. He will be your friend. And he'll be the best friend you ever had. No, he'll never set foot in your house, and you'll never go to his, not in this life. But he's the best friend you ever had, like we sang that song, The Lily of the Valley. So we close out, and we're so thankful for friendship, and that Jesus calls us into this, yet another relationship as we look at it, to be his friend, to keep his commandments, to uh, keep his word, and to bring honor to his name. If anyone this morning wants to become a friend of Jesus and 
obey his command of being baptized, we can assist you with that. If you need prayer this morning, I know, as Brother Mike in the announcements tried to express, and we can never express it enough or the right way about all the grief at the moment in families and in the congregation, but if you need prayer, we can pray with you in regard to that or anything else going on in your life, uh, situations, and we can pray with you, and we can pray for you. So if any of that is the case, you'd like to respond now, please come, or you can talk to one of us afterwards. Brother Don. <laughs>